week for, for quite a while now, we send out our MailChimp, and we have um, uh, different folks being prayed for. Uh, every week we have different prayer requests, and you guys send them in, and we've seen some tremendous answers to prayer. And uh, But I just think it's a good idea to sometimes uh, not just have it in on the internet, but have it just in person, in our service, just lift some of these. And so we're going to look at some of those in a few minutes. But one of the, one of the requests that's been on there for uh, quite a few months now has been uh, a day that, uh, since a day last November, that was one of the darkest in our family's life uh, that I could remember. And uh, that was when our, our son-in-law uh, suffered a severe fall in Calgary and and uh, we didn't know for the first few hours whether he was going to live or die. And uh, he's been uh, on the prayer chain ever since. And, uh, of course, Marcus was also uh, my assistant here on staff. He was kind of the equivalent of, of Alec and Patrick and Joanna. Uh, in fact, I think he might be the original. I think Al- uh, Marcus might be the original guy. There we go. Uh, but I thought it would be good, since he's here, to... Uh, to, to give a quick testimony of just how things are going. And I thought I'd just interview him a little bit and, and give you an update. Uh, many of you probably weren't around when, when they were here. Some of you were. Uh, some, those that were, some of are away today. So a <laughs> real, uh, real mishmash today. But uh, come on up, Marcus. Why don't you welcome him? And uh, I'm just going to get him to share a little bit. <clears throat> welcome, bud. He's walking pretty good, eh? So it was, uh, uh, just give us a little lead up, Marcus, as to uh, kind of what led up to that uh, dark November day in terms of your plan, your moves and all that. I'm going to say something else first. It's wonderful to be back. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see some old acquaintances and, and friends. Um, it's very special for us to be here. I was, I was like, why am I crying through worship? Um, I think I was crying through worship because for me it's very special to come to a place like the drive and then meet people that love the Lord and worship God. Um, no matter what they're going through, what they've been going through, um, and to be reminded of the love of the Lord and His faithfulness, so it's been very encouraging for me to be here this morning. And I thank you for gathering, mm. for being my brothers and sisters. <laughs> In the Bible it says that if you leave your father and mother and your brothers and sisters for my name, for my kingdom's sake, you will find it again and again mm much to much larger extent anywhere you go. And so it's been a very wonderful time to be here this morning. Yeah. Seven years ago, eight years now, in fall 2005, we left Vancouver to go back to my home country, to Switzerland, uh, where I would first do an internship and then become a pastor in the state church. For me, of course, it was going home. For Danielle, it was going to some strange place that obviously had great cheese and great chocolate and expensive watches and beautiful mountains. Uh, 
she was used to the beautiful mountains since she grew up here. But um, for her, it was going to a, to a foreign place, to an, a foreign country. And going back to Switzerland was, was very hard for us as a family from the beginning. Even though we had prayed a lot about whether we should move there, and we felt led to go to Switzerland, and we still think that it was the right thing to do, it was very hard. We struggled a lot. Um, Danielle found it very hard to move from a very friendly culture to a less friendly culture. Well put. I can say that as, as a Swiss. Swiss have other qualities. Yeah. And so pretty much from the beginning, we were confronted with the fact that we had to rediscern our choice. And, and as we settled there, the comfort in, in materialist ways grew. And we became quite comfortable um, after a while when it comes to material things. But we felt unsettled and mm. we never really felt this was it. And I remember during that time, one time I said to Danielle, I cried and I said, you know, in Canada, I'm a nobody. I have nothing. Here I am a somebody. I have not just family, I have also a lot going for me. And that moment became a confession that started an openness in me to rediscern what God had for us. Looking back, I, I'm ashamed that I ever said that. I'm like, I'm shocked about the fact that I ever was at the point where I said, I'm a nobody. Because theologically, I know I'm a somebody in Christ. Mm. We all are princes and princesses of the Most High King. We're all a part of the people of God. But when you start focusing on other things, other than God, and have maybe those things as the center of your identity and purpose in life, all of a sudden, you're a nobody if you don't have those things. When that moment of confession to my wife opened the door in my heart to, to start to really listen to God again. And every time I seriously prayed about what we should be doing, I felt God was saying, Go back. Like Abraham left the land of his parents, not knowing where to go, I felt I should too go like Abraham. Hmm. In Genesis 12, it says, Go forth from the land where you live to a place where I will show. And in, in Genesis 15, it says, I will go with you. Don't be afraid. So, these two verses that God gave to Abraham started to become more and more a force in my life and a foundation for everything that was to come. It helped us when we had to leave Switzerland without having a job, not knowing where we would live, not knowing what we are going to um, do for work in Canada. 
Um, and it gave me a lot of peace. And it gave me a lot of strength to also um, radiate that peace to the family, to Danielle and the kids. Um, it gave me such faith because I realized that if I go down the road of pursuit of status and power and money, I'm going to be empty and dead spiritually. And I knew that if I do that, I'm going to be a nobody. The journey of faith obviously didn't end when we arrived here. Because just about two months later, I almost died falling off a roof. And I was laying in the hospital um, with a lot of pain. And the busted up body. And again, of course, the question was, well, what are we doing here? How, how can that happen if you're so faithful to God and, and seem to be a good Christian? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was wonderful to, to have that, that deep faith and trust that this is the right thing. Even though we don't know why the things are happening that are happening, I had this deep peace that God was watching over us, that he was caring for us, Mm -hmm. that we could trust him for the future. Mm -hmm. So is there, uh, you've already answered two of the questions. I I told him the questions I was going to ask him last night. So he's already answered quite a bit of what what I was going to ask, kind of what led up to it and, and then what happened uh, on the day, and then just a- any more reflections from that time, just to, from then to now, the fall and uh, the uh, just, just, just what you're working through, anything that you want to pass on. One of the New Testament places where it talks about Abraham is Hebrews 11. Mm. I don't know if you love that chapter as much as I do. I, I love that chapter because it talks about people that walked by faith, not by sight. They got promises from God. And then at the end of the chapter, it says, they never saw them come to fulfill. I don't know if you feel like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Chapter then says those people died often not seeing those promises fulfilled, but we see them. We see how Abraham became yeah. a people that is, has lasted through history, yeah. where other people and cultures have declined and ceased. <clears throat> the people of Israel are still existing today. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about Jesus, how Jesus went to the cross and died not seeing Mm -hmm. the kingdom of God growing. Jesus died at the end of his life saying, God, where are you? I hope that we can live being aware of those people that even if we don't see the promises fulfilled that God gave us, that we hold fast to the promises that God gives in the Bible and has given us personally, even if we don't see it. Maybe we will even die 
not seeing those promises fulfilled. Because I believe that your kids and succeeding generations will see promises fulfilled in your life that you don't see. One of the beautiful things about being in Calgary is that we constantly meet people that Gordias forever changed their lives. We meet people that say, oh yeah, uh, I know Gordy. I used to go to his church or I, I became a Christian because of his ministry or we meet pastors that were very young in faith or go to the Bible school, Gordy and Grandpa led. And we see how there's so much fruit that we often don't see. I pray for Gordy, for myself, for all of you, that we would keep sowing, that we keep being a testimony, keep being signposts to Christ in our life. Even if we don't see that much fruit possibly, that we would trust God that he uses all of us to glorify his name. Beautiful. Thank you, Marcus. Well, he pretty much preached my sermon. That's good. Thank you so much. Awesome. No, I, I'm serious. I, I didn't plan that, but that's pretty much what I felt the Lord wanted to say to us this morning. Uh, the, the, the seven deadly sins. Uh, is the remote around? the, the uh, Oh, there it is. Okay. The seven deadly sins. Uh, we introduced... Uh, a couple of months ago, and I'm going to show you how that ties into what Marcus just shared, because uh, we, you remember we, we introduced that pathology is the study of sickness and illness with the goal of prevention and health. So pathology is an important aspect of medicine, and so going into the seven deadly sins was... Uh, was a spiritual pathology. In other words, it was for the sake of discipleship and the wisdom of church history uh, uh, taught us that the study of these and the development of going through these uh, was important for becoming Christ-like. So, for example, Bernard of Clairvaux, when he talked about the 12 steps of, towards pride, the reason why he, he, he felt that was important is number one, he said, I know a lot more about pride than I know about humility. But also, as we learn about pride, we learn about humility. We learn how to humble ourselves. So, so we, we learned how that, that sin is seeking a good. That sin is never just, oh, let's, let's just be bad. There's actually a good being sought outside of God's ways. And then we talked about the judo principle, how, how to use the power of sin, the power of our adversary, Judo is using the power of your adversary for your advantage. And so we summarized it by saying, we are gleaning historical wisdom from the communities of disciples through the ages who in their resistance of the powers recognized and identified key obstacles in their quest to become like Jesus. These obstacles were not specific acts of sin per se, but habits and patterns which tended to form deep within the human personality and as, as well as find expression in our social structures. And so the list again that we've gone through over the last uh, couple of months, woohoo! Um, 
Lust, we started with lust, then gluttony, Wade, Dean taught on greed, Crystal on sloth, uh, Joanna on ra- rage, and then uh, uh, Jessica on envy, and then Alec last week talked about pride. And we, we talked about how um, these, these there, there's been through church history kind of analysis of them, and a lot of discussion as to whether pride should be one of the seven or it's the root to all the rest. Well, I would like to argue that pride is not the root. I want to talk about the root of all sin uh, that often expresses itself first through pride. But I think Mar- Mark has touched on it this morning. And it comes from right from the very beginning. When it says the, uh, in the creation story, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of him. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now, how many have ever been commanded to do something? How many, how many of that kind of has a negative connotation? I was commanded to do something. How many would like to be commanded to do this? Eat. I mean, it goes to our opening psalm, doesn't it? God says, I want to feed you with the finest of wheat. Eat. I've got life abundant for you. So that was the command. Enter life. Enjoy what I've given you. Enjoy my creation. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so there's one prohibition... And guess where they are? When the serpent shows up, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, now the serpent, that should be chapter 3, not verse 3 there, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did you get that? Did you get what's happening there? What's the command again? You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. What does the serpent say? Did not God say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So the first thing that happens, the way that the enemy works, is he gets you and I to be focused and obsessed on the prohibition. It's the one thing. Not the whole universe of of smorgasbord that God has, but the one thing. So there's a focus on the prohibition. Then the woman counters and she says, you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So the way that it works, to me the root of the seven deadly sins is this. Number one, the enemy gets us to focus on a prohibition by an attack on God's character, by undermining God. God is not good. He begins to just twist in Eve's mind. He's like a yellow journalist. Forgive me if any of you are reporters. But even if you're a reporter, you're not a yellow journalist. So you're okay. 
But he's like, he slimes God's character. He, that's his job. He slimes and distorts and says God's not good. He's trying to keep something from you. So you're going to have to take things into your own hands because you were created for glory. You were created for dignity. As Marcus said, you were created for significance. Those are things that we have that we're made for, but we will try to find it by the enemy's way. He'll try to give us an alternative pathway to God's path. God's not good. And then he promises us something that God says is already ours. He said to Eve, you will become wise, you become like God. And as the grandkids and I learned from Shrek 2 the other day, his biggest attack is to blind you to what you already have. You don't know what you got till you lose it. That's what Shrek said. Right? The gospel according to Shrek. <laughs> so the judo effect. How do we counter this? Countering up. And you see the people of Israel. When they went into the... Pro- what happened? Through all of God's people through history. What did they do? They'd focus on the prohibition. They'd forget what they had. And so they're going into the wilderness... And they've been beaten for 400 years. They've had, they've had to work 12, 15, 18 hours a day. No coffee breaks. No lunch breaks. No holiday pay. No benefits. No medical benefits. Right? So they get into the desert. They're free. Woohoo! No more Egyptians. We having manna again? Got to eat manna again. I wish we were back in Egypt. They, they, I told the kids, I did kids church a couple weeks ago. I told it the Eeyore principle. How many know who Eeyore is? Everything's always going to be bad. It's always going to be, oh no, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. Right? That's it, Veronica. You got it. The Eeyore spirit. <laughs> right? So, so how do we counter this? What's the judo effect? The people of God were always told by God to remember. He gave them the Passover. Remember the Passover where they, they would have a lamb and they, they'd cook that lamb? And one of the child was, said, Daddy, why are we doing this? And the father would say, I'm glad you asked. Of course, it was all set up, right? And then he'd tell the story of the Passover God gave them ways to remember, to not forget what they had. You focus on the goodness of God. So Marcus and Dee, they walked through a Job experience this year. Where it seems like you obey God. I mean, how many know Job was attacked and he suffered? Not because he did something wrong, but because he did something right. Maybe some of you are suffering not because you're doing something wrong like the devil's telling you, but you're doing something right. You're walking in obedience. Right? So the act of remembering helps us to focus on the goodness of God to where Job said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to praise Him in plenty and I'm going to praise Him in famine. That's why we come together and we worship and we read Scripture and we sing these songs and we have communion like we're going to in a few minutes. We're remembering We're people of memory. What happens if you get amnesia? You forget who you are. You suffer an identity crisis. And you begin to act inconsistent with who you are. 
It's always bad news when you forget. And then walk in the light. The judo effect is when you sin, when you fall, when, you're, when you do feel Eeyore. How many know Eeyore lives in every one of us? Is that you bring that into the presence of God rather than gossiping about God and whining about Him to everybody else. You go to Him and you learn to lament in His presence. One third of the Psalms are crying, lamenting, raging. God, why? Where are you? What did you do? Jesus prayed those prayers from the cross. There's no accident that there's a whole book in the Bible called Crying. Lamentations. But you learn to bring that into the presence of God. To walk in the light. I'm so glad it doesn't say if we don't sin, we have fellowship one with another. It doesn't say that. It says if we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another. It assumes we have sin. It assumes we have brokenness. But we don't let it drive it from us from God like Adam and Eve when they ran from God in the garden. But they run towards their father. Father, I scraped my knee. Father, I fell down. Father, I'm hurting. I need you to pick me up and heal me. I'm broken. So John said, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, we've looked and our hands have touched. And we proclaim the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testify. And we proclaim to eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we've heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. God's good. That's what that means. He's not crooked. He's not twisted. He's not got some ulterior agenda. He's for you. He's on your side. You can trust Him. You can take that to the bank even though all of life is telling you different right now. He's a good God. I can't tell you how many times. Can I just be really open as a pastor this morning? I can't tell you how many times that, 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 that there's that it just seems like everything goes wrong. There's so much spiritual warfare in this area. It just feels like all hell goes breaks loose. Some Sundays it just feels like people are going just nipping at each other, you know. And 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 I just I just want to just chuck it all in. Just chuck it all in. But I'm old enough to know now that I just start laughing inside. I go, huh, what does the devil know that I don't know? Something's up, right? Because whenever God's about to break through, he, the enemy just tries to challenge that. And I just say, okay, Lord, I'll just hang on. I'm just going to be obedient. And even if I die, even if you kill me, even if I die here, in this mess that we're in right now, I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to obey you because in eternity, it's not a matter how, how successful we are or how good or clean or rich we are. It's about obedience. That's what's going to last for eternity. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He who does the will of God will abide forever. So there's just something in me that just, I got a stubborn streak. I know I look really nice and kind of like the before guy in the psychopath movies, you know. Um... <laughs> But I got a real stubborn streak in me. And, and you know what? 
It just over and over again, within a day, sometimes just somebody will, will give a word or something will speak and something breaks. How many know what I'm talking about? Isn't that true? But it's, we, get, we get tested, we get challenged, and the enemy will just... And it's just that Job confession. Lord, though you slay me, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. Andrew Murray said this. He's a great South African spirituality writer on prayer. He said this. The sum of all God's dealings in our lives is to get us to trust Him again. The sum of the Old and New Testament was to get humanity to trust Him again. The whole covenant, the old covenant, the new covenant, the blood of Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, it's so that we would trust Him again. Because that's the root. When you lose that root foundation of trust in the goodness of God, everything else falls apart. So Paul said it this way. Can we read this together? It's just too good for me to read by myself. What then shall we say in response to these things? Oh, hang on. What things? What things? Well, first of all, there's suffering. First of all, there's pain. First of all, there's the world is going through labor pains, birth pains. What do we say? What do we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's say that again. If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Come on now. Some of you, listen to me, you need to memorize that. Those verses. And every night you go to bed, say them out loud. Say them out loud. That kind of stuff brought me out of a nervous breakdown 20, 25 years ago when I was tempted to just throw away my life. After those years in Calgary when I thought it had all been wasted. I thought I had wasted it and blown it and left a big mess in the city. And that breakdown, the lies of the enemy, I felt like I'd committed the unpardonable sin, that I was lost forever, that there was never any hope for me, that I could never be a father or a husband again. I would never be in ministry again. I never believed I'd be in ministry again, let alone in a wonderful place like this. But I took Ephesians and I just took those scriptures where similar words where Paul talks about who we are and that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before Him in love. And, and, and that we be filled with the knowledge of the love of God, the height, the depth, the length, the breadth. 
And I committed almost the whole book to, to memory. And every night as I couldn't sleep because of the insomnia of the, um, insomnia of the mental illness, I would just speak those scriptures. And uh, all I can say is I know the first couple of chapters better than the last few chapters because I kept falling asleep. <laughs> That's what happens. There's something about just speaking the Word of God out loud. Not as a formula. But you just... It's memory. It's your memory. It's making sure your memory isn't suffering that amnesia. So I want us to just stand together and and before we have communion, and maybe, uh, Kim, you can let the kids know that we'll be five minutes. Just tell tell them to bring them up in five minutes. I want us to stand together. And I want us to just speak those words over these, these prayer requests. If you're able to stand, just stand. And what I'm going to do is take us through the, the, the slides. These are people on our prayer, prayer list. Every week, what I've done is I've separated them from people that are here, from people who are abroad, and then some of the ministries and some of the things that are on our hearts for the world today. And let's pray for these people. For Chloe Pontelti, who has turned the corner since last weekend. God, remember we prayed as a congregation last Sunday. And, and, and the doctors, I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, I said to Kirsten, can I get an update, please? I don't know what's going on. It was about Tuesday. And she said, well, the doctors don't know what's going on. And it was just, you know, and they just said that they didn't have to go in and do that bore the hole in her again. And, and uh, she's going to be discharged this Thursday. So we praise God for that. Uh, for Zachariah Ball, who just had eye surgery yesterday to take out a tumor and lost his eye, right? Yeah, yeah. the tumor was just starting, just on the verge of going through the eye and through the nerve and stuff. So they yeah. caught it before the cancer spread. Praise God for that. But he's lost his eye. He's only two years old. So this is a li- another child. There's so much of this in lower post. Um, we need to pray that the, the, the spirit of cancer in that community is broken. For Anne-Marie, and Anne-Marie's right there, and I'd like us to gather around her. Just This is what this is about. And break bread with her and make sure Paul's here today. Uh, let's pray for Paul. Requested extra prayer this week. Gloria's right over here. Susan's right over here. These are gifts of God among us. That we come and we gather around them in, our, in their brokenness, remembering we're all broken. Gordy's not here, but I see Shannon. We could gather around her and the fa- family, Courtney. Just continue to pray for Gordy's post traumatic stress and identity disorder and all the stress that that causes in life for him and for his family. Rose is here, at the back, for her feet. And they need a new home it's for God's provision. And uh, Lexi and Amanda, I don't see them here today. But just continue to pray for Lexi's health and for their immigration. So let's just, just lay hands on them right now. Let's just pray for them right now, just right where we are. Lord, we just lift up these people. And those that are here, those that are not, we gather around them and we ask, Lord, for the power and the presence of Your Holy Spirit. And we, we remind ourselves, Lord, that if God be for us, who can be against us? Satan, we say to you, you are a bully. And we command you to take your hands off our sisters and brothers. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, we command you, you spirits of infirmity, of oppression, of depression, of condemnation, of shame, of accusation, you slandering spirits that are lying to them about who they are and lying to them about who God is. We silence you today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we command you to take your hands off these people of God. They are God's people, God's property, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We say no more. Stop afflicting them. Loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we boldly take the authority that's been given to us through the blood of Christ and the victory that He won on the cross to say, go in Jesus' name. Go. And Holy Spirit, come now. Come, Lord. Let the Spirit of God come. Let the Spirit of God come upon you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, let it bring life to your mortal bodies. Let it bring life to your minds. Let it bring life to, your, to those mysterious ailments where there's spiritual powers that are causing havoc. We break it off in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, bring resurrection life in the name of Jesus. We stand, Lord, not in our own authority, but when we say in the name of Jesus, it is not an authority. We are coming as His representatives. And we are saying no more in Jesus' name. On behalf of the Son of God, risen from the dead, the one we sang about. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Now just let those folks just soak... And uh, soak in the presence of God. There's a beautiful presence of God. Beautiful peace here today. Yes, suffering is part of this journey. But he didn't say, I'm going to lead you in. He said, I'd lead, lead you through. I'm going to lead you through the fire. Through the flood. I'm going to bring you through it. 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 You're going to come through this. And you're going to be stronger and you're going to be refined as gold tried in the fire. Your faith is more precious than gold. Will be found in the praise, honor, and glory of the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Wash over. Wash over us. Wash over us. I'm just going to show these other slides. We're not going to take as much time because we need to move into our communion time. But I, I'd like you to, as I flash these on the screen, these are often loved ones of people that are... Can you just move it up one there, Sarah, for me? Uh, these are often loved ones. Uh, people that are, are abroad. Stephen, Kate, and Penticton. Pallisters on holidays. Merrick and... Afghanistan, Art and Dixie and Lower Posts. I didn't list all of them. And then for extended family, uh, Susan's family, Wade's 
many people affected by the high river floods. For Anna, who's with her granddaughter and daughter in, in, uh, in Ontario. Don's mom. Eldona's daughter. Lots of family. Monica's sister. Marcus, who's here today. Ross's younger sister, Tara. And then remember these things. The pray for church camp, for lower post, for the Strathcona Vineyard, for, their, for God's leading for them, many of them here today, for church finances, for our church small groups. These are all on your, on your MailChimp that you'll get every week. But I think it's important to, to, to name these things. Chili Wagon. And continue especially to pray for Egypt and Syria this time in the world. I'm just going to invite our communion servers to come. Stephen and, and Elsie, is it? Steve's going to recruit somebody. Uh, just be seated for a minute. And uh, communion is an act of memory. I'm just going to ask Danielle to come and join me. And Corey, if you're able to, and the other worshipers. In fact, Steve, if you guys could maybe serve the worshipers first, because uh, I want them to come and, and, and lead us in a song. There's a song. Are you able to get the words up for that? The power in the name of Jesus, break every chain. I want us to sing that together. But uh, let me just bless the blood and the body of Christ the bread and the wine. Holy Father, thank You for covenant. Thank You, Lord, for showing us that You are good. For proving it once and for all by the sending of Your Son, Jesus Christ. And the giving of Him in an offering on the cross. And Lord, we, as we have communion today, we, we ask You to heal our memory. Sharpen our memory. Help us to remember who we are and who You are. It's in knowing who you are that we know who we are. Not by self-actualization. Not by on some journey to try to find ourselves or express ourselves. But by coming to you, our creator. In losing ourselves in you, we find ourselves. So show us who you are afresh today and show us who we are. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in memory of me. There it is, memory. Remember me. Remember what I've done. Remember my love for you. Whenever you feel like I've abandoned you and forsaken you, remember. And then after they'd finished supper, they took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. So, Father, we pray for your blessing on the body and the blood of Christ. and We remember your promise of your presence to be with us when we break the bread. We remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus that when they broke bread with you, their eyes were open to see you. And I pray for that Emmaus Road encounter for us today. In Jesus' name. So, I'm just going to invite the worshipers just to come, the worship leaders, if you could just come and receive. And uh, if I could be so bold, I'm going to jump in myself and receive. And then I just encourage you to either go back to where you're seated and have the communion together where you are. We're going to do it by intinction. If you're an adult, just stick it in the bread in the, in the cup.
And if you're a little one with, a, with your parents, you can have it with a little jar there. I'll get the parents to just supervise that. I think we're still waiting for them. But um, just encourage you to make this a house of prayer. We're kind of formally... Uh, you can leave. We're not going to have a benediction after this. But encourage you just to, just to worship and enjoy the presence of the Lord together. Enjoy breaking bread and enjoy the covenant. Yes. Yeah, I'll go down. Yeah. Uh, oh.